The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and CDW. Hope you're having a great uh, Tuesday night. Jeff Gioniak, along with my broadcast partner from News Radio 105.9 WBBM, the great Chicago Bear Super Bowl winning mm-hmm. guard, Tom Thayer. As we get you set for Bears-Eagles, Tom, I am giddy about the matchup. I, 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 you're playing the best team in the league on Sunday at noon. Uh, winter blowing in strong on Sunday. It's going to be bitter. And uh, the final month of the season, a lot to evaluate for our Bears. And I'm anxious to see the Eagles in in live living color. How about you? Oh, me too. You know, earlier in the season, they wanted to call the weekend after the Thursday night game a mini-bye. I don't don't like that term. It's just an extended week before you prepare for your next opponent. This is a bye, and it seems like a long time in between games. And to have a bye this late in the season, I hope it kind of reignited the hunger within the players, not only to stay prepared for their responsibilities no matter what position they play, but get ready for an opponent that is probably the most well-balanced team in the NFL, that's a true Super Bowl contender, and you kind of, like you're saying, you want to get a look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and you kind of want to look at some positions that the Bears ultimately need to become if they're getting themselves in a division-winning football team that has playoff and Super Bowl aspirations. I want to thank our producers, as always, Dan Brilli, Jordan Treadup, and Sean Sears at the Score Studios. Sean is an Iowa State guy. Tommy mentioned to me, how about that Brock Purdy on Sunday? <laughs> that guy's the talk of the league right now. Listen, I, I think anybody around the league that thinks because where you were drafted, you have no chance or you can't be successful in the NFL is wrong because you can go from Zach Wilson, the second pick in the draft at the quarterback position for the Jets, or you can go to Purdy, who is Mr. Irrelevant. And you see both of them have good players and good supporting cast, and you see what Purdy's able to do. And I think San Francisco fan base is really excited about what he's been able to do for the team, and they believe that they can go deep into the playoffs with him. And Wilson can't even get out of the field with uh, an injured quarterback who's got bad ribs and Joe Flacco backing him up. It's crazy. Uh, We got a quarterback coming on the show in our next segment, Tom. The lefty, former Chicago Bear, Bobby Douglas, coming up here at 6'10 or so. And about under the hour, the venerable voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, the uh, senior uh, broadcaster in terms of service in the NFL. Great guy. I love him. Eagles arriving on Sunday after winning their 12th and 13th games. So last night on the Bears coaches show, Tommy, Matt Eberflus uh, basically unveiled what he's looking for in the final four games. The offense, the ability to run the football is very important to us. Um, defensively, we want to see a big jump you know, in our run defense uh, these next four weeks uh, to be able to stop the run. Um, that's one of our big things we need to work on. You know, and then obviously protecting the ball. You know, we got to do a great job protecting the ball, not only in the first three quarters, but also during two minutes. You know, we got to do a better job of finishing games and us protecting the ball and be able to operate in a two-minute offense um, is going to be very important to our success going forward. And uh, our two-minute defense, you know, to be able to stop, you know, people to field goals or hold the zero points in a two-minute drive, you know, and get a four and out or a takeaway to end the game. Um, that's something we would like to see also. But uh, so, again, that whole thing about finishing, that is a team 
that is a team goal. It's a team thing that we want to really accomplish here uh, going forward and certainly improve on as we meet these uh, really good opponents coming up uh, here in the coming weeks. Now that Eagles, Bills, Minnesota, Detroit, all in the mix there in the final four games. So I kind of laid it out. That, that's kind of the bye week layout. Well, you know, the thing about it, he talks about all the team goals, which is true. That was what the team needs to accomplish. But in order for the team to accomplish those goals, there are certain individuals that have to play better than they've been playing, and they have to be more productive than they have been. So it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword there where ultimately it's always a team goal. But there's other guys that could finish uh, this season on a high note and really make a, an, a, an impression on the coaching staff and the scouting staff. All right. I know people are doing this uh, across the different media platforms. They're trying to zero in on some players moving into 2023 that you want to see something out of, of significance here in the final four games. Uh, and g- give me four guys. I know I'm throwing this at you out of nowhere here, but I, I, if you want me to start it off, I will. But, you know, I I want to continue to see the development of tight end Cole Komet, the use of Cole Komet. I'd like to see what Chase Claypool does here moving forward. In the final four games, he had a career-high four touchdowns against uh, this very Philadelphia team, a 2020 version, a totally different version than this one, but he played him the week before the Bears acquired him in that deal with Pittsburgh. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I uh, just want to see more of the, the young players in that secondary prove that they can be a part of the solution. You may be finding some depth players moving forward. And then a little bit more ab- about the offensive linemen that are here. I, I, you know, everybody wants to think that the entire offensive line should be replaced for 2023, but there's been some good things done uh, by that offensive line coach. Simo's done a great job, and I want to see all of those guys, how they perform moving forward. I, I want I want to see um, Justin Justin Jones. I want to see Dominique Robinson. I want to see Jack Sanborn, and I want to see Jaquan Brisker on defense. Then on the offensive side of the ball, I want to see Alex Leatherwood. I want to see Justin Fields. I hope Khalil Herbert comes back and provides what we've been impressed by through the early part of the football season. And then I want to see a Valus Jones Jr should be in serious consideration for playing opportunities next year or do you have to make him compete and see if he can even earn a roster spot yeah Bayless a third round pick he's been through a lot no question his average on kickoff return now at 26.9 seven on punt returns Uh, among the 16 combined returns he's had a couple of muffs but nine touches on offense only three receptions and I really did think and granted, uh, his preseason was wiped out. He missed three games with a hamstring, much at camp, so a late start. Never got traction offensively other than some of these uh, fly sweeps and so forth. But I, I really thought that that aspect of things, I'd be able to see something from him in that regard. Fly routes, whatever the case may be, fly patterns, down the, go routes down the sidelines using that speed. So hopefully in these next four weeks we'll get a, a dose of it. Well, if we haven't seen impressions made to us by these fly routes, these speed routes down the field, can he catch some crossing routes? Does he have the willingness to go across the middle when there's a safety hunting you out and being able to make a catch and complement an average throw by a quarterback and turn it in to an explosive catch after the run? Um, you talk about the muffs on the kick, on the punt returns. Those things are game costing. So he's got to bring himself from a a below average evaluation to impress you enough to figure when OTA start and you have 
uh, five, a, 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 or 250 reps of catching punts during the offseason. By the end of the offseason in a training camp, are you so impressive at it that you don't consider Dante Pettis still the best punt catcher on this football team? Four returns, 114 against Green Bay in the kick game, plus that 55-yarder in Atlanta. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, Bobby Douglas due to join the program, the former Chicago Bear who has the single-season rushing record. It's in, it's in dire straits. Tommy with Justin Fields tracking him down from that 1972 season. He'll join us next. This is Bears All Access, and it's brought to you by IGS Energy. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Back with you on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. We'll be joined by uh, Bobby Douglas at some point here. Uh, I want to talk about Sam Mustafer, Tom, because uh, love the guy, number one. Yep. Natural yep. born leader, no question about it. Uh, he is always walking tall in that locker room, no matter the circumstances. And I love what he had to say yesterday up at Hallis Hall critically important to him to be hard on himself as he took the bye week and rewatched everything yeah for sure you i mean you got to sit back and honestly evaluate yourself um and it's a continuous evaluation that's what the nfl is um if you're not getting better you're getting worse like nobody stays in the same in this league so uh i had you know look back that mini bye we had that washington week i had looked back and <laughs> you know where where are the games i struggled in where are the areas that i struggled in and it was it was pass protection that was that was an easy Easy thing to find. I went back to the Giants game, uh, watched my pass sets against Dexter Lawrence, who's, I, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of guys in the NFL blocking him one-on-one nowadays. But, you know, that's the challenge I want. Like I alluded to earlier, I want to play teams like the Philadelphia Eagles front seven. You know, I want, I want to play the Kenny Clarks of the NFL. I want to play the Dexter Lawrences of the NFL because that's what I train for. I, I love his attitude, Tom. Me too. I, I've always loved Sam. I've always been impressed with since the moment he's got here. He's super competitive. He's got a lot of pride in himself, and I, I like what he does to this off does for this offensive line. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Adama Kinsu, Jordan Davis, they're all waiting for him on Sunday. All right, time now to join Bobby Douglas, the former Bears quarterback, the second-round pick in 1969 out of Kansas here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bobby, good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. How you feeling, buddy? Uh, good to talk to you, Jeff and Tom. Hey, uh, you know, think, obviously think we want to – What's oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tom's here for sure. Uh, just want to talk about, uh, you know, what's going on with, with the, uh, the Justin Fields impact here this season. And obviously you've been, you've been doing interviews on this, I'm sure. But uh, that single season yeah. record is uh, dangling by a thread for you, buddy. I'm sure you're okay with it right now because uh, Justin's just coming on with, uh, with so much fire this season uh, with his legs and off a pretty good passing game against Green Bay Packers. What has been your impression of QB1 here in Chicago? Well, I've, I've I've said from the beginning. I think he's he's got tremendous upsides. Uh, I think he he can throw the football. Got got a really good arm. I think the only thing he needs from a passing standpoint is just a, more time. You know, they got to get a, get him an offense that works for him, but uh, that helps him. I should say. I mean, he'll he's a, he can, you know, obviously run anything of the pro type offenses. But I think they need to also 
take advantage of, obviously, uh, as they are doing now, take advantage of his uh, ability to, to move because he can uh, he's as good as anybody out there running the football. Hey, Bobby, before I get onto the subject of Justin Fields and football, uh, Bobby Douglas football camp at Marmion Military Academy. You you remember that back oh in here? Oh, so I, th- this yes. is why this is why I bring it up, Bobby. In in our family's trophy room, the first trophy ever presented to our family was by the Bobby Douglas football camp to my brother Rick. And when you go gone. back, yeah, when you go back and you look at those types of items, and growing up as a Bears fan, I mean, it was a, a super inspirational in terms of my brother and I get involved in Pop Warner football and then taking it to the through the high school and and the college and pro levels that we were able to. And um, I, I, Bobby, I never forget it, and I think about the opportunity <laughs> well, to go there. So I, I just wanted to bring you bring up that um, yeah, just well, for thank you. That was you know. Yeah, I always uh, I started doing camps pretty early, really. I actually still do a little camp here in Lake Forest uh, uh, every year. Uh, so I've been doing camps for a while. But uh, no, that that that's uh, that makes me feel really good that uh, <laughs> that we had you, your brother out there. That's fabulous. Yeah, we I think we ran a good camp. Uh, I really enjoyed going out there. We only went out there two or three years, but it was. It was awesome. I was a younger brother. I sat in the stands and watched it, and it it inspired all of us. But what I would like to ask you, Bobby, so back in the day when you were playing quarterback the style you played, did you have any type of offering what would be an RPO in today's offense? Well, not really. You know, I I really came in when quarterbacks, they really didn't want you to run. Uh, there were a few guys that scrambled a little bit. Uh, Fran Parkington, as you know, was a, a pretty good scrambler, but he he actually ended up, for the most part, throwing the football, never gained a lot of positive yards. Uh, I kind of had to do it. We had a team that was, uh, you know, the pass blocking broke down a few times. We had lost, they had lost a lot of players in the, in the year or two in the, those two or three years before I got there. So, you know, there it wasn't as strong a line as you'd like to have, as Fields would like to have, you know. So I, 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 was, I was a good runner, and uh, so I did a lot of scrambling. And uh, as far as, you know, today, I'm, I'm, you know, you'd, any quarterback would love to scramble back then, would love to play today the way the field is, is suited for for anybody that can move because they've got five guys running down the field. It's spread out a lot more. You can barely hit the quarterback. So I think there's some real advantages, and I think that's why you're seeing quarterbacks like uh, Justin able to do what he does. Well, I, I think you and Vince Evans were ahead of your time in terms of where the game is today. Do you enjoy watching quarterback play and offensive football today because of all the experiences that you face throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big football fan, big basketball and football fan, but I watch watch every pro game all week. Uh, I don't miss one very often. I just love the game. I think it's a great game. I think uh, what they've done with the rule changes has helped the game. As you as you can see now, with all the parity that you have in pro football, it's it's the best game there is on TV. 
Yeah, almost every game goes down to the wire now. A league record through 14 weeks. Well, and, one and score it's opened up. You know, it's so yeah. much more wide open than it was, say, when I played. All right, I you got know, a was, nugget for it you. It was a defensive game then. Yeah, yeah. it certainly was. Uh, and I want to ask you a question about that, too, about your playing career. But when you were talking about that Marmion and military camp, Tom, I, I, a memory flashed through my head. I was actually on a football field defending Bobby Douglas. <laughs> Bobby, you won't you won't remember this. This goes back to 1987 or 88. I don't know which. When the Chicago Bruisers were playing in Rosemont Arena Football, and there was a media All Star game, and Gale Sayers was his running back, and Bobby Douglas was the quarterback. And I remember trying to play, you know, tear the flag from Bobby, who's stiff arming, like he's playing some serious football here against the media. The late Les Grobstein put this together. He was the voice of the Bruisers. Do you have any recollection of that? Remember the Chicago Bruisers back in the, the late 80s? I do. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I do remember. I, I didn't play the game, but I was on the field with Bobby Douglas, all 6'5 of them, and the great uh, Gail Sayers. Uh, so 6'5, six, 6'5 five, six, five football player. Everybody lists you 6'3, but you were 6'5. You were a big dude. Wow, the, yeah. the legs were yeah, special. I was big, yeah. I was I was a good size for that year. Although there were some other good sized quarterbacks. I mean, there were six or seven others. Actually, the record that I broke was Greg Landry. You know, yeah. Greg was about my size, and uh, you know he had the record before I broke it. Uh, I think he had about five hundred yards. And uh, so you know there were some big quarterbacks, but I but I was a I was a little more physical probably than some of them. But, you know, the underrated aspect of it, and, and the numbers certainly uh, didn't reflect, but in the game played in that era, you, you had one of the league's strongest arms. And, and guys had a hard time negotiating the heat coming off your missile, wasn't it? Well, yes. I mean, uh, you're going to – I mean, if you if you go back, and I happen to do this because of actually uh, John Hadel. I don't know if you remember John, but oh, yeah. he, just died. he just died, actually. But you remember him, I'm sure. Uh, John coached John Elway, and uh, and they had a little problem because you know he had has a great arm, had a great arm, and uh, he, they were dropping some passes. They went out and got a couple receivers because of that. Uh, Hadle told me, so you know you're you have a guy that throws with a lot more velocity, which some quarterbacks do. Uh, you're going to have guys dropping more passes, uh, and. You know, it was a it was a negative uh, for us, but uh, for the most part, I was I, I was getting the ball to them. It just we had a few more dropped, and we didn't throw a lot of the little short stuff today. You know, that that that, that make it a lot different game. Uh, I threw the ball deep, I think, as well as anybody. So you know, that's I mean, you know, you 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 don't play if you can't throw it. So <laughs> you know, you don't play ten, twelve yeah. years if you if you can't throw the football. Hey, Bobby, when you think of today's game, where is the biggest difference in receivers? Do you think it's the size of the wide receiver or the multiple uses of the tight end position? Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Probably the rule changes, which gives a quarterback more advantage today than they had, say, well, that all started changing in the late 70s. I don't. You remember when... The blocking rule change. Well, you're a little before that, uh, a little after that. Uh, you could use your hands when when you came in the league, correct? Right. Yes. 
He said, you couldn't do that when I came in the league. So that changed the game, I think, as drastically as anything other than the fact that obviously you could you could also hit a guy anywhere on the field until the ball was in the air. And that lasted through the 70s. And in fact, I don't want to get into a long rendition of why, but that's all because of the AFL and the fact that they were throwing the football. So the game changed, and that's probably more what what is happening today because it, it forced everybody to go out and you get get guys who can catch the football, and they're throwing the ball in college now. So guys are coming in, are much better receivers, and uh, and they're they're catching the ball now in high school. And guys are just they're getting better athletes that are playing receivers. All right, Bobby. Last question, and we'll let you go. Appreciate the time. Uh, we really do take uh, take this. Uh, we love the history, so we love the history of the game. Uh, give me the worst hit you ever took, and the hardest defense you ever had to deal with. Well, the hardest defense was Minnesota. They had the, they had a phenomenal defense when, when we played them. Detroit was really good, and Green Bay was pretty good too. It was a real good defensive league at the time. Uh, I don't, you know, everybody asked me that question. I don't remember uh, ever getting hit uh, so hard that I thought about it for any length of time. To be honest with you, I guess I was lucky. Uh, yes. But uh, no, I never never got knocked out or. You know, anything like that. Well, we appreciate it. Appreciate your time as a Chicago Bear, uh, 968 yards in a 14-game season. Uh, that's the record that uh, Justin Fields is tracking down here in a single season. Love to see more Bears wins uh, in the future, and I know you think highly of Justin and what uh, the foundation oh, looks yeah. like for the Chicago Bears. Bobby, uh, enjoy the holidays. Well, they got, Merry they Christmas got a lot of money, so they better go out and get a <laughs> couple of receivers and some offensive linemen. They don't do that. <laughs> We're in for some problems. All right. Bobby Douglas, our guest, will take a break. When we come back, a little more preview of the Eagles. We'll also talk to the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. It's all ahead here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW, people who get it. Just heard from Bobby Douglas uh, going through, you know, you mentioned Greg Landry. He did, and uh, that was your first uh, quarterback in the USFL. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I was. You know, I was a 20-something-year-old kid just getting in the league, and he was a 40-year-old quarterback. He he took great pride in his job, and he tried to give lessons to everybody that he came across, which that's one thing I loved about Greg. And a good quarterback coach, too, right? He, he did yeah. some of the coaching, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, was he here? Yeah, he was here with the Bears. Yeah. 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 He yeah, played. Yeah. He went from playing in the USFL to the Bears quarterbacks getting hurt, leaving the USFL and going and pl- finishing the season for the Bears. Yeah, quite the story. Always these. Uh, and he's, uh, he's, you still talk to him, don't you? Yeah, when we go yeah, to Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, time to join uh, one of the greatest guys in the National Football League. His 46th season as the play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, the dean of NFL play-by-play announcers on radio for their local teams. The great Merrill Reese joins the program. Merrill, good evening. I know you've been busy tonight with activities. Uh, thanks for taking the time. How you feling? Anytime. I'm feeling great, Jeff, and looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days. Yes, always, always, always a pleasure to talk to you. He, uh, Tommy has been great for me in my career, uh, been very supportive, so I do appreciate you. Uh, but for you, 
as you as you call these guys the birds, the birds are flying high. Second time in franchise history, a 12 and one start. I know you won a Super Bowl a couple years back, but how much fun is this team right now? Because it does look like the most complete team in the NFL. Well, they're fun to be around. They're a bunch of good guys, nice coaches, coaches that are cooperative and and make your job uh, very, very pleasurable. But this, you're right, this is a good team. Uh, whether they're the best team in the NFL, we'll find out. In the NFC, I think maybe they are at this point. But as you know, the best team doesn't always win. Hey, Merrill, uh, this is Tom Thayer, a former offensive lineman with the Bears. And I'd like to just go down memory lane for just one one question. And I would like to talk about the Fog Bowl because I was a player in the Fog Bowl and you were a broadcaster in the Fog Bowl. And to me, Merrill, that was one of the best defenses during that period that I've ever faced in the NFL. And just where and you had Randall Cunningham was one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the league at that time. Where in the transition of the NFL... Where, where, what did you think about broadcasting the Fog Bowl, and what did you think about that team of that era when you talk about this team of this era with one of the most impressive defenses, an explosive quarterback, and all the other assets they have? Tom, it's funny that you said that because my color analyst at the time was Stan Walters, who was a former Eagles offensive lineman. And Stan at the time, I remember him saying, I think somebody just – set off a smoke bomb on the other sideline. And before we knew it, the entire field was shrouded in fog. And it was unbelievable. And, and we couldn't see a thing. And I know I, I tried to get through it by finding some humor in it. And I said, I think there's a problem because Randall Cunningham just came out of the huddle led by a German shepherd. And whatever we could think of, we thought of. And then we got into the second half. And the Bears had somebody on the sideline with a wireless microphone announcing the down and the distance and who caught the pass. And we went extremely, we went entirely by what we were getting from the PA. But it was impossible to see. And my wife and I were going to have a New Year's Eve party that night back in Philadelphia. And I'm thinking, well, there goes the party. We're going to be stuck overnight in Chicago. And when we got out of the stadium to the buses, there wasn't any evidence of fog. It was a completely clear night. And I remember saying to Buddy, it's a shame they didn't stop that game and wait for the fog to clear. And he said, they don't stop wars and you continue to play. (laughs) Hey, uh, Merrill, uh, slightly better view from the booth at Old Soldier Field in the fog than we ever get in Washington to say, to call a commander's game, right? <laughs> well, well, I think the commanders, they're no longer the worst. The worst is now Miami. Yes, you're right. So you took it right out of yeah. my mouth, big time. <laughs> yes. Hey, when you go and you think about that team of Reggie White and Jerome Brown and the rest of the counterparts they had in that defense, like I said, it was one of the best. And now you think about this defense that the Philadelphia Eagles have. Did they need to go out and sign Adamican Sue and Linville, Linville Joseph, or could they have got through without them? <laughs> it's a good question. I think at the time they were having trouble stopping the run, and they needed some beef in the middle. And don't forget, uh, Jordan Davis was hurt. He was out for the uh, – he went on injured reserve for four weeks, 
because they had to uh, excuse the pun, but they, they needed more beef. They needed to beef up the defense, and that's what they brought in, and these guys have both contributed. It's The thing about this defense, Tom, is it's it's so deep that they're able to rotate so many combinations of people that 34-year-old Brandon Graham was able to come in last week and pick up three sacks. That's how fresh he was. You're talking about a running game. When you talk about the Bears, you talk, you know, you got Dave Montgomery, you have Khalil Herbert, you have a couple of other running backs, and then you have Justin Fields. Now, is this a defense that can shut down the running game of running backs, not including a quarterback, or is this a running game defense that can shut down a running quarterback as well as a good running game with running backs? I think yes, yes, and yes. Because don't forget, last week they really shut down Saquon Barkley. The week before they handled Derrick Henry and kept him to under, uh, they kept him to under 30 yards rushing, and then they also shut down Jonathan Taylor. He had a big first half, and in the second half, he did nothing in Indianapolis. And they've been able to contain the quarterbacks. But I don't think they've played a quarterback yet who can run like <laughs> Justin Fields. I think he's probably the best running quarterback in the game right now. All right, so a lot of conversation. We're with Merrill Reese, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, as the Bears get ready to meet Philadelphia on Sunday at Soldier Field. Uh, the comparison contrast to the first two years of Jalen Hurts, who is at the beginning of this whole process considered, if I'm not mistaken, from a Philadelphia point of view, a bridge quarterback. And here he's taking the ball. And, and you know, I watched him play at Oklahoma. My daughter was an Oklahoma graduate. I saw him in a spring game. I, I was impressed. I was impressed with him in Alabama and certainly impressed with them now. And then Josh Allen, their first two years, and then they take off in their year three. Justin finishing up his second year. The last half of it's been outstanding. Finishing strong is the hope into a year three. Is it fair to have these comparison contrasts about uh, these three young quarterbacks? I know every quarterback develops differently, but they're all similar in the sense that they can run and they can throw. Well, there was a lot of divided opinion about uh, Jalen Hurts when they drafted him to begin with and then as late as last year after the playoffs there were a lot of people who said that Jalen Hurts was not the quarterback of the future he was just somebody to play until they got the real franchise quarterback I was not among these people I liked Jalen Hurts from the time I saw him at Alabama I loved what I saw in Oklahoma and I was thrilled when the the Eagles drafted him now they drafted him to be a backup for Carson Wentz, who had had some injury problems. But, boy, that didn't last very long. And this young man has developed. He, I thought he did a great job last year in only his first full year as a starter. But the jump he made from last year to this year to become a, a legitimate MVP candidate has been enormous. There were people who said he didn't have an NFL arm. He's got a great arm. He's got great mobility. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a golfer, and I, I love the game, and I remember something that Bobby Jones once said. He said the most important part of the game is the six inches between a player's ears, and that's the thing with Jalen Hurts. He is bright. He is diligent. His hobby is football. His profession is football. He's all football all the time. He's seeing film every day, every night. He is such a worker. And the biggest difference between last year and this year, yes, he has cleaned up some mechanics 
as far as throwing is concerned, but his decision-making is so quick, and he makes the right decisions, and he knows when to get out of bounds, and he knows when to give up on a play and throw the ball away. I mean, you know that when you see that he has 22 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. He has had a spectacular year, a quarterback rating of 108.4. And, you know, that out route he threw under a blitz last week on a dot. Uh, that uh, I saw a video today of Darius Slay, your star cornerback, saying, if, you know, if he, he's going to put away this uh, cornerback stuff, he's going to become a receiver and be a 1,500-yarder because that guy throws so accurately on the move, under pressure, and, and that's quite the, the compliment to him. What is your opinion from watching tape of Justin Fields as it relates to Jalen Hurts? Do you see – similar progress over the course of this season. I don't know how much tape you've seen or what you've watched, but what do you think of uh, Justin? I think he's terrific. I really do. Loved him at Ohio State. And I think he is a bright young quarterback, and I think you have to give him time. You have to be patient, and he will become a more accurate passer. I think he's, he's a brilliant athlete. What he does with his legs right now is mind-boggling. He's, he's frightening for a defensive coordinator to watch during the week as he prepares to face him. And I think he's just going to become a more total quarterback as time goes on. But I think if Bears fans give him time and keep their minds open, you've got, you've got the makings of a Pro Bowl quarterback. About the variety of systems that Jalen Hurts has faced throughout his development through college and into the pros. When he, if he gets three or four years in the same system, same terminology, same supporting cast, just like I hope Fields has that same opportunity, do you expect significant improvement in his abilities because you kind of you, now you finally become familiar with the same terminology over a period of seasons? Absolutely. You bring up a good point, Tom, because Jalen Hurts up until this year had played with five different offensive coordinators in five years. This is the second year he's played with Shane Steichen, and he's certainly very comfortable in the offense. And the same will happen with Justin Fields. He's going to be a winning quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind. I think he's special, and I always have. And I think it's just a matter of of really being oriented and ingrained in, in one system for a while. Teams that... You look at the bad teams, they're always making changes and hiring this one and firing that one. I think Justin Fields has a lot of positive years ahead of him. And and it will happen. His big jump will probably come from between this year and next year. He'll he'll be a different quarterback next year. Now, I would assume, I would assume from what I've heard about him, that he's a very diligent guy and that he puts in the time and that he has the drive and desire because that's very important, too. That's the top of the thing with just with the Jalen Hurts. He wants it so badly. He wants to win. He's been a winner at every level. And I think you probably have that, although I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but I would think from what I've heard that, uh, that Justin Fields has some of those same qualities. All right. Uh, we're wrapping up with uh, my good friend Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles. Last thing, just give me a short story as we uh, try to beat the clock here. Uh, you started with 1977 Eagles. Do you remember your first broadcast? Who was your color analyst? I know that was Ron Jaworski's team, Harold Carmichael, Bill Berge, Herm Edwards, and a secondary that had 19 interceptions from the starting four. 
Yeah, it was 1977. I had done the the first uh, 12 of the 14 games. I had done them as the color analyst. And then the play-by-play man um, tragically died. And then I had the last two games of the 77 season with no guarantees. I reached out to a friend of mine who I knew who lived in the area by the name of Herb Adderley, who was in the Hall of Fame with the Packers and, and the Cowboys. And Herb did the color for those that first uh, those first two games, which were the last two of the season. A rookie by the name of Wilbur Montgomery took the kickoff back coast to coast. I ended up calling every touchdown in Wilbur's career. And Ron Jaworski won the game with a naked boot life bootleg to the left to beat the Giants. Great recall. It's uh, it's it's living memories, isn't it? Uh, great 46 season. It is. I know you're never giving it up, buddy. I'm not. I'm not. They're going to have to remove me with a crane because <laughs> as much as I love to play golf, I like to do this even more. I know you do. Uh, by the way, NBC's Today Show did a great job taking uh, their cameras into your booth. I uh, saw it a few weeks back. That must have been a nice honor as well. We'll see you Sunday, buddy. Bears-Eagles. Can't wait. Look look forward to it, Jeff and Tom. Take care. Have a good night. All right. Good night. More Bears All Access after this break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW, people who get it, and also Athletical Physical Therapy. Visit athletical.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with you, breaking down Bears-Eagles for Sunday. Uh, Justin Fields, certainly the hot topic. It's two QB1s, Tom. Jalen Hurts, QB1. Justin, QB1. Uh, Despite the disparity in the records, uh, the positions, and where they're headed here in the next four weeks, uh, this is a premier quarterback matchup, and every little thing that happens on Sunday, we're going to be comparing and contrasting and evaluating, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun matchup to watch. It, it is, but none of these guys are a one-man band. This is about how does this quarterback interact with their supporting cast, and you have to identify what receivers you're developing a relationship with to get the ball downfield. And I think Justin Fields did a great job against the Green Bay Packers of staying inside the pocket, getting the protection from the offensive line, and then identifying big play opportunities to EQ St. Brown, Nikhil Harry, Cole Komet. And so if they can do that, then I I think that uh, that's what gives the Bears the best fighting chance. And I'll also be interested to see on how Luke Getze after a chance to maybe to go over some tape evaluation without the, pres- uh, the pressure of getting a game plan ready, how he figures Justin into the mix. All right, one of the big questions is how to ignite a pass rush, whether if it's uh, extras, do you just run the risk and try to throw stuff at this guy because the Bears haven't been able to do that. It was a topic with Matt Eberflus on the Monday Night Coaches Show on uh, WBBM, but we delved into Dominique Robinson and his progress and improvement that's needed over the course of the rest of the season. I know you feel strongly about Dominique. He had a seven-tackle opener against the 49ers in the rain and wet uh, surface at Soldier Field with a sack and a half, but has uh, been developing and trying to get his pass rush moves and technique down. Yeah, so we call that gap and a half, so meaning that if a guy's playing outside shade of the tackle and he's a defensive end, you know, he owns that C gap, um, but if the 
the ball gets run into the B gap, once the ball that clears in there, he can he can uh, shut off and play the B gap as well. We call that gap and a half. So you own your gap. The first gap is the C gap. The half gap is the B gap. Once the ball declares in there, he can shed and make a tackle in that gap. So that's what he's talking to. Um, he, you know, defense line always always need to play lower. Um, you know, he, you know, we talked about his hustle. He's been really good at hustling, um, you know, the whole year and giving the second effort. And uh, he has a high standard for that. And it hasn't been where he wants it to be, but uh, he certainly improved that last week. And we look for him to keep improving that in the coming weeks. Coach Felty came close to getting a, a couple sacks last week. That was in reference to what Dominique said. He, he, he can play his first gap well. He's been adjusting to that second gap and playing too tall concern for Dominic Robinson and how he gets influenced by what the quarterback does with the football after they get the center quarterback exchange. Sometimes he is susceptible to be getting deceived out of position. You can talk about your responsibility when you line up before the play in your stance in terms of where you're lined up on the defense, but what Dominic Robinson and how his future is going to be built is what he does after the ball is snapped. So you have to make sure that you understand what the offenses you're facing analytically, what they do per down and distance. And then you got to see countless amounts of reps to get the experience to become the player to build into your athleticism. All right, now I want to talk about another guy, Tevin Jenkins. It's, he's been a big topic here uh, over the course of this season for his excellence on the field and just for his journey. And it's been one, according to Everflus. Um, in there pretty fast. You know, he really did a good job of stepping in there. Um, he's really smart, um, understands that guard position, does have some different things um, we, that we do, has more calls, um, you know, does more in the run game in terms of pulling and jumping to the second level than the tackle does. Um, so that fit him really well, you know, and it's really good to have a big body in there, you know. So, he, you know, he's got he's obviously got a really big frame. He's really athletic. But it's certainly good to have that inside there in the pocket to keep that – inside pocket clean um, and firm um, for the quarterback. So we're, we're really pleased with that part of it. And, uh, you know, he's done a good job of growing. You know, he's, he's grown in terms of his consistency in practice, which has led to more consistency in the game. Tom, what do you see for Tevin? Since Tevin Jenkins has been inserted in the lineup, I like the physical nature of his play. What I need is some of Sam Mustafer to rub off on Tevin Jenkins to make sure that everything that you do in terms of getting better week in and week out, playing and play out, is super important to you. And that's one thing I, I want Tevin to prove to me, that he he's in love with the game of football, he likes the position he's playing, and he's going to continue to improve. He's missed some time due to a couple of injuries. He's been in the tent a couple times during games. And, he, listen, you can't control that, but – when you listen to a guy like Sam Mustafer at the podium and how important life and football is to him, I want that same importancy to filter into Tevin Jenkins. All right, we're going to take another break. We'll have one more segment to go. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score we're brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, back in a few. Bears matchup with the Eagles is brought to you by United Airlines, official airline of the Chicago Bears. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with the Bears hosting the Eagles on Sunday. Appreciate our guests tonight, Bobby Douglas, the former Bears quarterback, and also Merrill Reese, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, getting you set for the matchup as well at Soldier Field. Going to be cold, Tom. Going to be cold for a lot lot of guys on Sunday. I I wasn't even aware of it. You brought it to my attention because you've been doing it all year. You've been telling me when it's going to rain. 
You've been telling me when it's going to be hot. You can tell me when the wind's going to blow, and you tell me when it's going to drop uh, down to the single digits on Sunday. Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, it'll, it'll tell you a little bit about the game. Watch the players who come out of the locker room to warm up. It's not going to be a pleasant morning, so, you know, don't think you're going to be ready if you just come out of the locker room at kickoff. And so, to me, I'm excited to see where Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon are. When you are two rookies and you miss a significant amount of time during your rookie year, you have to come right back at full speed. It's not like a breaking in period where you get a quarter or so to become reacclimated to the playing conditions. By the time you get on the field for that opening defensive snap you have to know that you've been there before you have plenty of experience and play like you haven't had any time off three weeks with the bye week and they'll be facing some really dominant players uh obviously uh, with the philadelphia eagles and not just in the passing game miles sanders is tough to put down he is uh, playing with a, a real gusto right now even in pass protection blocking as well for his teammates He's, he's really risen to the occasion, his first 1,000-yard season running the ball and getting in the end zone. Yeah, you know, the thing about the defensive backs, it's going to be interesting what type of coverage they play and where their eyes will be because you can't cover these talented wide receivers and watch the quarterback at the same time. You just have to play your responsibility called in the huddle and make sure everybody else inside that huddle does their job. They're fortunate to have a quarter, uh, linebacker like Mick, Nick Morrow with that type of speed. He's not necessarily going to be a spy, but he's got the quickness to work the interior running game and chase down the quarterback. All right, a couple nuggets involving the Vikings and Lions in the division. We're talking more about them than the Packers now, which is interesting, but I, I, I just saw this today. The Vikings are 10-3. and three. They've been outscored. By one point this season. 250 teams in NFL history with 10 or more wins in the first 13 games. The Vikings, the only team ever with a negative point differential. Weird. The the Bears should have beat them the first time around if they didn't leave a ball on the turf at the end of the game. And they've given up five straight games uh, of 400 yards or more, the longest streak in franchise history. Lions have won five of six. They're six and seven. They're at the Jets. They're at Carolina. Then they get the Bears at home and at Green Bay. Will they be a playoff team? I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but they're definitely converting the attitude of their coach into the performance on the field. And they can become the first team since the 70 Bengals to make the playoffs after beginning a season with one or fewer wins in their first seven games. Interesting. All land ahead for the Bears in the future, too, because the Lions are going to be loading up. Uh, with uh, prospects including uh, their special draft picks that they got in deals, and they got something going there as well. But so do the Bears. We'll look forward to it on Sunday, 9 a.m. our pregame, noon the kickoff on WBBM. Tom, thanks so much. Uh, Be early, Jeff. I'll be there. Uh, With Tom there, I want to thank him and uh, Sean Sears, our producer here at The Score, Dan Brilli and Jordan Trudup as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.